You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 133, it says in verse 1, Behold, uh, you've got to see it. Uh, you've got to see it for yourself. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. It was poured out on Aaron's head when he was anointed to be the high priest. Now, we'll talk about that oil in a minute. It went down from his head, ran down his beard, ran all the way down his robe, all the way to the very end of his garment. And then in verse 3, it gives us another illustration. It says that when brethren dwell together in unity, it's like the dew of Hermon. Mount Hermon was one of the tallest peaks in Israel. It was in the northern part of uh, the nation of Israel. And it could be seen on a clear day. It could be seen from just about anywhere. And that mountain would have that dew and that dew and, uh, and the, uh, the water that would run off that mountain and would fill the, the valleys and fill the rivers and it would spread and it would go everywhere. It's as the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended, Upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at this uh, very short psalm. But Lord, I believe it's so powerful. And Lord, as I studied this week, I was reminded of how vitally important this truth is in our church. I pray that you would help us to examine our own lives. May we examine our own hearts and minds and examine our words and examine our actions. And I pray that we would fall in line with what your word teaches about this subject. I thank you so much for the Websters being here. Thank you for their singing. Thank you for their testimony. I thank you for our church and the faithfulness of your people. I thank you for the blessing we've had just getting to be together today in church. I pray that you'd speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I see in this passage, uh, that first verse, it says, Behold. You, you have to see it for yourself. This is a psalm of uh, ascension, a song of degrees, which we told you weeks ago, we told you these were the psalms, the songs that God's people would sing as they made the journey to Jerusalem, as they made the journey to the temple. And boy, that's pretty fitting because when you're on your way to church, that's a good time to get your heart right. You say, well, I come to church mad and I come to church angry and then I just wait for the preacher to fix everything. Well, if you're waiting on the preacher to fix everything, you're going to be waiting a while. But if you'll let the Holy Spirit of God work on you and you'll let the Bible work on you, you'll be amazed. You can come to church already ready to receive a blessing. And they were on their way to, to the, the temple to worship and they would sing these songs. This one they would sing was about how good and how pleasant it is when brethren, God's people, dwell together in unity. Unity is one of the most important ingredients in a church. There's got to be unity. As a matter of fact, there's got to be unity in a nation. There's got to be unity in a marriage. There must be unity in a home. 
There must be unity at the workplace. There must be unity on a sports team. You ever been on a team where the, the teammates were all fighting with each other? Can I tell you the outcome of that game? The team that couldn't get along is the team that's going to lose every time. There must be unity. In marriage, there is a unity. There is a sacred union. The two unite to become one. The word unity is found three times in the Bible, once here in Psalm 133 and twice in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 3, you don't have to turn there, but it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now that's important because unity is, is likened to and it is compared to the peace that the Holy Spirit gives. We're not going to have unity in the church without the Holy Spirit getting involved. And the Holy Spirit gives peace and the Holy Spirit gives unity. Ephesians 4, 13, same chapter, another verse. It says the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You know what helps a church to be united? The more we learn about Jesus the more we learn about the Son of God, the more we get our focus on Jesus and more about Jesus would I know. And the more you know about Jesus, the more we will be united. I'll give you a long introduction here and a short message. Here in the book of Acts, we see by way of introduction that the early church was in one accord. Now, that's not talking about the kind of car you drive, although if you drive a Honda Accord, then, you know, well, we, you can join the club, you know. But it's talking about one accord is agreement. One accord is one purpose, one mind. It is harmony of minds. The church was in one accord. There was unity. And our church must be in one accord. There must be unity with the pastor and the people. You say, well, I don't know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, the pastor's wrong. You're right. <laughs> the pastor is wrong sometimes. And maybe the people are wrong sometimes, but there must be unity. There must be unity among the deacon board. There must be unity uh, among the staff. There must be unity among the Sunday school teachers. There must be unity among the nursery workers. There must be unity in the choir. You imagine that? Choir members can't decide which song they're going to sing, so everybody gets up and decides to sing a different song. That's called chaos. That's called hurt your ears. But there must be unity. There must be unity in the church. The early church, Acts 1, they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. You know how you can get on the same page with somebody? You pray with them. You know how you can get along with somebody? You pray with them. Uh, you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a prayer partner. Hey, get somebody at work. Get somebody in the church. You say, well, we can't get together. Pray over the phone. Do something, but pray together. Prayer brings unity. Acts 2, verse 1, the Bible says they were in one place. That's what the church is. We get together. We assemble. We are a called out assembly of believers. We come to one place. And in that one place, Acts 2, the Bible says, that was where the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Acts 2, verse number 1 through verse 5. Acts 2, 46, they were in the temple in one accord, in singleness of heart, and they had gladness. You know, when you have unity in your home, there's happiness. When there's unity at the workplace, people are happy. 
But when there is not unity, when there is discord, when there is fussing and fighting and there is strife, that's not a happy place to be. And, and maybe some of you, that's what you're experiencing at work. I got news for you. That's not the way that the Christian ought to live. And that's not the way that our home should be. And that's not the way our church should be. Acts chapter four, verse 31, when they had prayed, they were in one accord. When they had prayed, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. One accord is found in Philippians chapter two. The Bible says that we are to be like-minded, having the same love, having a, a, a one, a one accord, one mind. And then it goes on in Philippians two, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you say, Pastor, how can we have unity? We're talking about it, Psalm 133. It is good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. So how can we have unity? Well, let's talk for a moment about our country. You know, we are the United States of America. And a nation divided against itself. Jesus said, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. And we are seeing in our nation, we are seeing a nation that is being divided. I have my thoughts on that, and you probably have your thoughts on that, but I'll tell you one reason why our nation is divided, because we have in our nation, we've got people who would rather see this nation go down than to see this nation stand strong. I'll say this, and you know I've not talked a lot about uh, politics, and I've tried to uh, avoid it because uh, I, I don't preach politics. I preach the Bible. But for sake of illustration, do you, did you know, and I didn't watch all of it, and you probably didn't watch all of it either, but did you know that there was one party that had a convention, another party had a convention, but there was one party that everything I heard and everything I saw about that convention they really didn't agree on much of anything except that they hate the president. That, that's about the only unifying force with one party. is not what they believe as much as it's who they hate. And can I tell you, in our church, we must be unified in two areas specifically. Number one, we must have unity based upon this book right here. If this book says it, then we believe it. And if you don't believe it, we love you. We'll pray for you. We want you to stay and we want to help you. But if you want to stay and you want to argue what the Bible says, we're not interested. Because we're not unified in ideas we're not unified in philosophies or opinions. We are unified in the doctrine of the Word of God. And that does not change. That doesn't uh, 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 change as people change. That doesn't change as the culture changes. The Bible stays the same no matter what happens, no matter who likes it, no matter who agrees with it. The Bible stands true. And we stand on, in unity, we stand on the doctrine of the Bible. That's why here at our church, we don't debate whether or not Jesus was born of a virgin. 
He was virgin born. And if you don't like it, God bless you. You need to find another church because we stand on the virgin birth of the word of God. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. You'd be amazed at how many churches don't believe that anymore. You'll be amazed how many denominations try to explain it away. We stand on the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is 100% God. And we're not asking for debate. We're not asking for your opinion. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say, well, I think this, that. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what the Bible says. We must be unified in our doctrine. We stand on the doctrine of the blood atonement. There, there's no other way that a person can have their sins forgiven except by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by works. It's not by being baptized. It's not by being a church member. It's by the precious blood of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. We believe in the bodily resurrection. These are, these are the, the fundamentals of our faith. These are not up for debate. These don't change with the times. These are forever settled. We believe in the bodily resurrection. Jesus was crucified. He died. He was buried, but he rose again the third day, and he is alive. We believe that. And, and again, you say, well, you know, I read a book once, and they said that they really don't really think. I don't care. I don't care what book you read. I don't care if you wrote the book. We believe in the bodily resurrection. We believe that Jesus is alive. We believe, and we could be here for a while. I won't give you all of these, but we believe in the inerrancy of the scripture. There are no errors in this book. When it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, that's not code for Big Bang. That's not like, you know, kind of a, you know, an illustration of what, that is literal that God created the heaven and the earth. We believe in creation. We believe in the miracles. What well, we believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You say, well, that's really, you know, that's not whatever. I like what one, one preacher said. He said, I believe that Jonah was swallowed by the whale. And if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too. Because the Bible said it. We believe in the miracles. We believe in the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back. And what unifies us is the doctrine of the Bible. And what unifies us is the person of Jesus Christ. This church is not built upon a man. This church is not built upon a denomination. This church is not built on, built on a popular opinion. This church is built upon the Word of God in Jesus Christ. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell, that they're real, literal places where people will die and people will spend forever in one of two places. And we could go on and on. But, but that's what unifies us. Those are the things that hold us together. Those are the things that keep us together as a church. Uh, I'm glad that we're not counting on uh, what your favorite college basketball team is because we would not have a unified church. I will promise you that. I'm glad we're not unified because of, uh, you know, uh, what our favorite color is or what our favorite food is. We're unified on the Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Our unity is so important.
most churches, most churches that I've been around or I've seen or I've witnessed, most churches that are destroyed are not destroyed from attacks from without. Most churches that go down, they go down because they're destroyed from within. They're destroyed because people want to change the Bible doctrine. People want to uh, argue. People want to debate. People want to, Proverbs 6 says, that God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. You say, what's discord? That's the opposite of being in one accord. It's trying to uh, 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 sow strife and sow arguments. And did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you see what so-and-so did? I don't, well, I tell you what, I don't know about that church, but let me tell you what I saw. Well, I'll tell you what, we better be very careful that we stay unified. The Bible says, behold, how good, that word good means wonderful. It's agreeable, it's appropriate, how good and how pleasant, it's delightful, it's sweet. It's lovely. It's beautiful for brethren. Say, who's the brethren? It's God's people. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are brethren. And can I tell you, as a family of God, we ought to get along. We ought to have something we agree on. We ought to have unity. The Bible says, let brotherly love continue. It is pleasing to God when there's unity. Now, if you like contention and you like uh, issues and you like debate, you need to get right with God because God is pleased when his people are at peace. I'm not saying that you can never ask questions. I'm not saying that, and we, we with our, our deacons, we have uh, all of our uh, finances and we have all of those every year. We put it out there and we say, hey, if you've got a question, we want to know. And we try to be transparent. And we try to be honest. And we try to make sure that things are done uh, decently and in order. But I'm not interested in being a part of a church where every month it's a church split. And every year it's a big fight. And every year this family's mad at this pe family and these people are leaving because of these people. I want to be a part of a church where brethren dwell together in unity. I want my children to see that that's the way church ought to be. I want our teenagers to see that people at church love each other. And people at church get along. And people at church pray for one another. And when somebody does get knocked out, when somebody does go through a hard time, we don't kick them while they're down. We try to help them bear their burdens. We try to lift them up. We try to, uh, we try to help those that are going through difficulties. But we should and we ought to dwell together in unity. We must be together. That word dwell means to sit down. It means to abide, to stay, to remain. You say, yeah, I get along with everybody at church, but I only go once a year. Well, you're probably, you're probably not doing it the way it should be done but we must dwell together in unity in our worship. We must dwell together in unity as we serve and as we pray and as we face trials and as we face hardships and as we deal with issues, we, we do it together. You see, the church is not a group of individuals acting independently. The church is the body of Christ and every member must do their part and every member must work together so that the body can be healthy and the body can be successful. Teamwork is what is so important 
in a church. Notice quickly these illustrations and we'll be done. The first thing the psalmist says that when brethren dwell together in unity, it's like the precious ointment. That ointment, that oil that was poured out upon the head of the high priest. Now, it's interesting. There were times where the oil would be sprinkled. But when the high priest or when a king or a prophet was anointed, the oil would not be sprinkled. The oil would be poured out. And the oil would be poured out on the head, but it wouldn't stay on the head. What's it going to do? It's going to run down. It's going to affect every part. It's going to touch every part of the body. And when brethren dwell together in unity, it's like the oil which represents the Holy Spirit of God, which represents the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. It's, it represents that oil that flows down from the head to the toe. That oil had a very sweet-smelling uh, uh, savor. Boy, you get around someone that had that oil poured out, and you could tell. You know what? You know what stinks? And hopefully not the breath of the person sitting next to you or their feet, you know, if they took their shoes off. But you know what stinks? A church where everybody's mad at one another. A church where you can tell that people are holding grudges, people are bitter, people are divided, people are upset, and people think it's all competition. I'm going to outdo this person. But I tell you what sure smells sweet. It's when God's people dwell together in unity. The second illustration there, it says it's like the dew. The dew of Mount Hermon. The dew that falls on the mountains of Zion. It says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Dew represents the blessing and the favor of God. It's interesting to me, uh, this last week I haven't noticed it as much, but a couple weeks ago, I could not believe how thick the dew was in the mornings. I remember a couple nights I walked out and I remember I, my feet were soaked just walking through the grass. You know, that dew, it doesn't just cover a couple blades of grass. It doesn't just cover a couple leaves. It covers everything. And when God's people dwell together in unity, God is able to bless the entire church. It's amazing when you have the blessing of God. It's amazing when you have the favor of God. It's amazing when uh, a church or a, a home or a business or a team are working together. It just seems like everything works. It just seems like everything falls into place. The dew, the psalmist wrote and said it came from the mountain. But then it says that it descended. And I want to remind you, every blessing, every good thing in our life descends from above. Every good thing that we've ever had happen in our lives is all because God poured it out on us. Unity allows us as a church. A unity allows you as a family. Unity allows a country. Unity allows a business to have blessing. And unity allows us as Christians to have the blessing of the Holy Spirit and the favor of God upon our lives. Unity pleases God. The psalmist says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Here's the invitation. We talked this morning about the importance of forgiveness. 
And you know what keeps a church from having unity? When people don't forgive. You know what keeps a church from having unity? When we're so proud that we will not humble ourselves to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know what hurts a marriage? When we can't say, I'm sorry. You know what hurts a ministry? When we make a mistake and we don't have the humility to say, it was my fault. And you know what keeps God's blessing from a church is when our pride gets in the way. The invitation is this. Let's dwell together in unity. But unity requires every member doing their part to work together. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.